Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. First up, Elixir 1.16.0 RC1 was released. I think we had an RC0 before. I don't know. But RC1 is out. There's some minor improvements. Several are aimed at better error reporting and just insights as to what problems might be. David, you caught this uh, neat optimization for enum random. I didn't catch it. Chris Keeley caught it, and I caught his uh, Elixir forum post on it, which thank you for sharing <laughs> that. But but yeah, there's a new algorithm they use for taking a random sample out of a list, right? So it's 6.3 times faster and uses 2.7 times less memory. So whenever you're taking random samples out of a list of some sort, things going to be good. The commit is called Implement Algorithm L for reservoir sampling in Enum. So Keep that in mind. If you ever need to name something, just stick one letter on it. Call it good. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) And the release candidate also includes some minor bug fixes as well. Now, if you recall, previously when we were learning about Elixir 1.16, it was described as very easy to drop in, lower risk, no big changes or anything like that. So it's mainly a refining release, it seems. Which, speaking of Erlang... Also got a similar release. This one's not RC, though. This one's a real big boy release. 26.2. I I really can't find anything in here that's going to impact anybody in particular. But one of the highlights they have is Process Info 2 now supports lookup of values for specific keys in the Process Dictionary. If you're looking in the Process Dictionary for anything, you're probably in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So... Any shortcuts to get to what you're looking for there is probably going to be good. You're going to be in trouble for one, why are you doing that? And two, if you're <laughs> if you're doing that in your application code, why? And and two, if you're trying to check out the process info, you're probably in trouble because you're debugging something. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a new tool, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, but you have a faster tool to get there. We'll drop a link to the full patch notes, but skim through it. I don't see anything, but if you're deep in Erlang world, this is probably a good release. And next up, Supabase Launch Week brought several interesting announcements. So Supabase, they're primarily serving uh, like the JavaScript community in terms of, hey, we'll let you get access to lots of these cool reliability and strength features that were actually because they're implemented in Elixir and the Beam, and which is really cool. So we don't in the Elixir community aren't following what they do all the time, but they do tend to release some really cool Elixir libraries. That's always awesome. One of those in particular is Supervisor 1.0. And this is a clustering supervisor for Postgres and being able to cluster database connections. And what was interesting is their tweet announcement and the blog post actually includes a little YouTube embedded video of Jose Valim himself giving an intro to what this announcement is and what it represents. Because it appears that Dashbit was involved with the creation of this feature. So you know it's got some good engineering in there. That's really cool. But it's awesome that it's also been open sourced. And not to sell them short, Superbase has incredible engineers as well. Speaking of Superbase, they've also partnered with another group of incredible engineers called Fly.io. They are introducing Fly Postgres, managed by Superbase. I've been on Fly for a bit. And of course, I need a database. And there's not a managed service there. It's been kind of on and off for even spinning one up easily. 
the thing is, is that when it's a fly Postgres database, like there's an easier API to setting that up and having it attached, but generally it's more or less just another app in your cluster. And so when something goes down or, you know, something goes wrong with Postgres, something is uh, corrupted, right? That's still on you, (laughs) right? Yeah. As a, for instance, if you want to upgrade the version of Postgres, there's some tools to help you do it, but you have to do it. Still on you. Yeah. If you need to keep tabs on when you're running out of disk space, you know, that's kind of on you too. Unmanaged keyword, right? Well, now there is a managed option and this is managed by Superbase. They're veterans in this area, right? That's that's all kind of their bread and butter. They support a full-featured Postgres database with over 40 extensions. I had to look at this this list of extensions, and it's kind of incredible. I'd really encourage you to like just... I'll drop a link. There's a ton of them. I learned that you can test. It's called PGTAP. You can test in SQL. Crazy. <laughs> I'm sure that this is going to be exciting for some folks because one of the top hesitations for people signing up for Fly is because, well, they got to have a database, right? And they, they need it to be a trusted and managed kind of database. They don't want to deal with it themselves. And so with the Superbase partnership, there is an option now to pay for that managed Postgres database. You can still obviously do your old self-hosted stuff and manage it on your own. That's fine. Superbase, so they're very Elixir-oriented. They're serving you know a lot of front ends with an Elixir-powered in areas back end. We could talk about this some more. Maybe we could invite somebody on. But you know, so Superbase, this is their infrastructure, right? But they are integrated with Fly to let it have a Fly-like experience with like networking and such. But there's still going to be some some areas. So it's an early access list. So you have to go sign up for that early access list. They'll roll it out in stages once they know that things are nice and stable. They say themselves on the blog post that don't get too excited right away. <laughs> sign up for the wait list. But there's lots of things that is difficult to do when you're integrating to businesses like this, the things that you don't think about, like support (laughs) and, you know, all those non-database things too, that just come with the territory. Anyway, that looks exciting. If you're in databases and you're in fly, you should probably consider this and check it out. And I do know that where they're kind of wanting to go in the future is having those databases be hosted in fly's infrastructure so they can actually place them in the region where your app is too. There's an ongoing process where like, hey, we're getting it started and then let's see where we can go with it from there. So really cool to see that. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. And next up, LiveView Native Beta 1 and 2 were released. So with this, there is a YouTube video showing you how to actually get all the dependencies set up and get everything going. And then LiveView Beta 2 was released with some minor bug fixes and performance improvements for client navigation. So if you've got some time over the holidays, maybe you're trying to stay away from the relatives of a little bit and you want to play with some new tech, this might be just the thing to start tinkering with. All right, last up today. That's not news, like there's a new thing you can play with, but there is a new reaction video. And I know that everybody (laughs) loves reaction videos, especially when it's with a YouTube personality and otherwise internet famous person. In this case, this is Theo. This is the one that Chris McCord was talking about last week, right? Chris McCord was in the chat room with Theo as he's like reacting to the announcement post of Flames. So he's going through the whole post and he just kind of like, I don't know, just reflects and talks through it as well. For better or worse, right? These internet personalities, Theo, I'm sure he's a fine person, but they have a following, right? They have a, a lot of exposure. So it's really great that 
flame kind of picks up on some of this exposure as well, which is, that's the cool part. So if you're interested in seeing him break down what that really means to typically a, a JavaScripter, it's not a bad video, right? It's it's actually pretty good. Like he's not critical of it really at all. And so that's encouraging, right? It's it's really easy to fall into this world where it's like it's like warring nations of some sort, but with <laughs> technology stacks, it's it's dumb. But that's not the trap that we fell into here. So he he goes through this blog post and just really kind of appreciates and questions some areas and talks through. And Chris McCord is in that chat. Some questions are able to be answered. He goes through the article, shares his feedback, concerns, first impressions, final thoughts. A concern he raised was around database connections and the challenges that scaling an app elastically can can you know impose upon them, especially around like a lambda like like Flame. So that's one problem area that he kind of walks through and talks through. Sure, there's problems with that and in any kinds of serverless environment, this is not new to Flame. The good news is, and this is just a short little comment on that, the good news is is there are controls, you know, there are mechanisms around managing a pool of database connections, a pool of flames that can come up and consume those connections and all sorts of stuff. Then you just mix that in with other database solutions like read replicas and shards and all that kind of stuff. And you've got a lot of different ways to solve that problem. Anyway, it's a good video. You're not going to hate yourself for watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting is just he was validating the problem that he has also seen with just the complexity of AWS, Lambda, and all these different services and getting data in and out and all of that. Just validating, yes, this is a a, a real pain point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really bugs me. He's like, here, here's some folks talk about, I was like, yeah, well, you just spit up uh, these... 10 different AWS acronyms and mix them up in a Kubernetes task and <laughs> auto scaling group and all that kind of stuff. And then you're bing, bada, boom, you're done. And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> like, so get out of here. That's, that is like a hundred times more complex. I just need to like create a thumbnail, man. You know, like that's it. <laughs> and that's it for the news. Elixir and Phoenix are incredible. They make it possible to quickly build highly resilient and reliable systems capable of operating at incredible scale. Fly.io is a great place to host Elixir apps. You can deploy your app to multiple regions around the world with a private network linking them all together so your app can cluster and globally do some incredible Phoenix magic. Give your users a more responsive UI while writing less code and moving the app closer to your users without needing an ops team. Check out fly.io for your next Elixir app. This will be our final recording for the year. And we just thought this would be a fun little time to have a little reflection. Because, you know, what we've been doing all year is collecting news and reporting that to you. And then also having interviews and deeper dives on things. But, you know, we've got this whole collection of news. And we thought, hey, what if we just went back over some of these main top line things and just kind of reflect on what has happened in the Elixir community over the past year? It's that time of year. Reflect on all the good things you had. You know, we're not to New Year's Eve resolutions yet, so we're not going to look forward yet. Just looking back. But there was a lot that happened this year, and it's easy to forget. (laughs) I didn't actually put it on here, but one of the earlier ones was actually Circle CI getting like leaking their keys and their <laughs> getting the, getting their credentials stolen and stuff so like there were certain images that could have been exposed right like we forget about some of those things and like we don't want to like history reminds us what to avoid in the future as well right we don't want to forget our history 
<laughs> I didn't mean to say that in a, in a way of like avoid Circle CI. I'm just saying that like you know it's it's security things are important. So of course don't forget about them, and we can learn our our lessons from from historical things. Anyway, enough about Circle CI, but. It was just, I totally forgot about it. I was going through all of our news and totally forgot about that Circle CI thing. So it was interesting to hear about it again. But we will try to focus on Elixir Erlang, you know, and, and that whole ecosystem going forward <laughs> for our year review. All right. So we're just going to jump in and hit the main points for each month. So let's kick off with January. This is from January 2023. Andrea Leopardi launched the Proto Hackers series. Proto hackers being like a series, like it's a it's a known problem, but a series on how to solve that problem in a certain language. And this one had to do a lot with like protocol handling between like the network and streaming those kinds of things. So that was a really a fairly lower level way of approaching the language. That was really interesting. Another one that was really nice, definitely if you're using gRPC in the Elixir ecosystem, there's typically like one or two libraries that really handle a problem space really well. Like Ecto is the de facto one. Phoenix is the de facto one. And in this case, Elixir gRPC is the de facto like gRPC client. And it gained a Mint-powered HTTP adapter. Now, why am I mentioning this? Because it went for years on on <laughs> being attached to this, um, uh, uh, this what was it, a release candidate HTTP adapter called Gun that just wasn't very friendly to like the dependency tree of most projects. And so this was a big roadblock lifted for typically enterprise-oriented like software. I know that would have helped me out back when I was needing a gRPC communication. So that was just one mark of like maturation in the ecosystem I really enjoyed. One last thing in January is like, I feel like Livebook, I mean, we're going to continue talking about Livebook because it just like, <laughs> it just rocked all year, right? But it started at the beginning of the year. It probably even a year before that, really. But Livebook 081 was released, and this is where things started to become like much more integrated. And so that one integrated with file, audio, and camera inputs. So they were starting to look forward to things that would be released later, stay tuned, where you could drag and drop you know, files into the live book and live book would just understand that or, or not drag and drop, but uh, well, maybe it was, but you could load the file in same with like audio. So you could record from your mic, same with the cameras you can record from your webcam and all of that being support pieces to build towards probably a lot of like machine learning, like conveniences, right? If you needed a, a camera to do to like stream images for classification, right? Like that kind of stuff or audio to transcribe. Like you could just do it from your microphone, right? So live books really started to pick up steam that early in the year, January. And then looking back at February, Phoenix 1.7.0 was released, which brought a unified flash, you know, like the, where flash could work equally well on like dead views and live views and bringing those into the layouts and just improving all that whole story. And then verified routes, like that's when we got verified routes. And that's like one of my new favorite features. You know, I just love it. I use it all the time. Streams was released back in February, which is, you know, a way of working with large sets of data without holding it all in memory. And that's kind of a default way on the index pages when you do like a resource generator in Phoenix now. Also, there was an improved integration between Livebook and Hugging Face. It made it much easier to run machine learning models from Hugging Face just by making some clicks in the UI of Livebook, which is very cool. 
All right, moving on to March. We got Bumblebee was released, I think. Bumblebee actually may have been released earlier than that, but I think it started to pick up more steam when it introduced the Whisper ML model support for it. So that was uh, like easier access to like transcribing stuff. It's particularly relevant to us in the podcasts industry, but March was that. Also, a bit of drama, another bit of drama in March. Do you remember Docker and how they were like, we don't want to host free images anymore? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, yes. that happens back in March. They wanted to stop hosting those images, which is probably a lot and very costly. They wanted to stop hosting them for free, right? But then like the public backlash was like so hard. <laughs> they were like obliterated socially. They actually backed off that plan, so they reverted. But that doesn't really change all of their public image right it's easier to forget but that caused some organizations to have to like move their container hosting repository so like hex back then the hex.pm like if you wanted to pull down like elixir images or erlang like they're compiled to certain architectures and all that like hex has a building process that publishes those they didn't have to move right because they're they were i forget all the details but they were properly recognized as an open source organization but livebook they had like a commercial even to this day i don't think there's any viability to it like there's no way to pay for anything but they have like a commercial aspiration so they're registered not as a open source like organization so they had to move their images back uh, like off of docker hub because they would have had to have paid. So they moved their images to like GitHub. But then like Docker like reverted their thing. So like maybe it was, so it would have been okay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was a thing. That was March. <laughs> yeah. Then April, just kind of looking over our little things that we were able to find. April seems to be the big month where there's a lot of stuff. So going through April, we had Elixir 1.14.4 was released. Jose Valim announced Scholar. It's a traditional machine learning algorithms for Elixir and NX. Sobolo version 0.12.0 was released, which included support for checking Heeks templates for cross-site scripting vulnerabilities, which is awesome. Then Livebook gets their first launch week. And there were five days of the launch week. We're not going to go through each one of those just because there's a lot. But that's where Livebook was really hitting on all cylinders. And then Ecto 3.10.0 was released. David, you moved. <laughs> yeah. That was big. <laughs> For the whole Elixir community, that was huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Certainly disruptive for, you know, personal lives. And then Supabase, they had their own launch week along with Livebook's launch week. And there was some overlap there where there were some shared items, if I recall right. Yeah. But yeah, April was, there was a lot going on there. And then honestly, I think the couple months following that, like it was kind of low key. <laughs> there was probably a bit of, well, I mean, it's summer, right? Folks have their kids at home. They may not have had all that opportunity to do open source. That's one reason. Also, typically they're getting prepared for like conferences that are happening that are going to happen in like the fall. So there's kind of like a news blackout generally <laughs> through the summer. <laughs> but some things did happen in May. Like, well, the one thing I noticed was, that we picked out was OTP 26 was released and, and 26 had some like really big updates in it. Compile times were faster. I remember there was a bug there that actually bit me for a bit on arm or something mm -hmm. or no, maybe it was muscle. I forget. Well, whatever it was, had to wait for like a couple patches for that to get fixed. It brought about like a bunch of huge speed improvements. So that was really cool. And then I'll just hit the next month too. June was like the same thing, but it was Elixir 1.15, right? And that released and that also had 
like some DevX experience improvements, but one of the big ones was a faster compile time for that. So that was like May and June. So all of our languages got updated, which was great, but we didn't see a whole lot happen in the summer. I say that with an asterisk because, of course, your thing happened in the summer, and I'm sorry we didn't pick it out. It's not, it's not unimportant. We just didn't see it. <laughs> then in July, Elixir's type system was moved out of the research phase and actually began development. So this is when, you know, there'd been like the PhD investigating what can be done around a type system with Elixir. And they determined, yes, there is something here. There is something we can actually do. And let's try to do it in stages. So they announced that how they're going to be rolling that out into like three different stages where they can first try this first stage. You won't notice anything. It's mostly internal. And we'll just see, is it successful at each stage? And we'll determine, should we keep going? Should we keep going or should we bail? So yes, still to be determined, but it is in progress. And so far, we've been hearing more about it and it's, uh, it's going well. Also in July, Next.ls was publicly released. So Next.ls being a language server for IDEs and development environments and for improved alternatives for uh, working with uh, language servers for getting your good code completion Elixir insights. So that joined the ranks of, of course, Elixir LS, but also Lexical. Lexical, I think, had released earlier as well. I'm not sure the month that they actually released, but they were around at that point too. And then also Phoenix... DNS underscore cluster, DNS cluster was released, which is a DNS based way of like a lib cluster alternative, just a little simpler because we don't need to support all these different ways. It's like, if you're doing DNS, this will do it for you. So that one was released. And DNS cluster for what it's worth, you know, helps support like the latest stuff with flame, by the way. So that works pretty well with that. So that was again, also building towards a brighter future. (laughs) So now we're up to August. So Paolo Valente released the ML reinforcement learning library called rain. That was a really nice one. So I don't know. I'm starting to see a theme. I think a lot of our news is like machine learning related. (laughs) And thanks to Livebook probably too. So much machine learning happening this year. Well, it's funny when we go back to March when you're talking about the whisper model, it's like, yeah, that actually dominated a lot of discussion from then on. And then it's only grown in terms of and expanded to what machine learning aspects we're talking about. Yeah. Then in September, ElixirConf US happened, which was great. Then there was a new assign async and start async, which is the async operations that Chris McCord launched and announced in his keynote at the conference. There's quite a bit of stuff there. Lots of announcements at the conference, right? I didn't even realize that September is when I announced my little Elixir Langchain library for working with ML stuff, working with ChatGPT initially. I've had some great fun working on that and more to announce Hopefully soon, nothing ready at the moment. It's like working on multiple different fronts. It's like, oh, almost got this, almost got that. It's like, ah, so close. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're up to October. We're like, we're we're so close to the end already, right? This is fairly recent. Livebook file integration improved. And so we talked about that earlier where you can get like file input audio and camera inputs. Well, now they're expanding that to even like specific kinds of files like well, uh, like a S3 URL, it would be treated like a file or a snowflake URL, or literally just a CSV file. So those were integrated into Livebook that made the ergonomics of like dealing with data sets for ML particularly a lot easier. They also released re- the ability to remotely execute like a bit of code on another cell or on another node, right? So that's a smart cell to do a remote code execution. I, every time I say that, I feel like 
to do a security exploit. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, it's been a great remote execution is terrible. Actually, it's very cool in this case. Also, easier integration with Bumblebee all around. All this is just like making ML easier in Livebook and in Elixir. Okay, separating ourselves from ML for a moment, the rest of the gen pop of Elixir folks and developers that deal with Phoenix anyway, got a lot faster DOM patching. And so that just means that this Phoenix Live View got a lot faster for a lot of folks and didn't even have to do anything. (laughs) Particularly on those large pages, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then last up, oh, maybe this is the best one. Bandit 1.0 was released. Bandit being the, the new Elixir native HTTP server in the way of Cowboy, right? It's a Cowboy replacement. So Bandit just being all in Elixir and kind of re-architected comes with it a bunch of claims, of proven claims so far, according to benchmarks, that it's faster. So all wonderful things. October was a heck of a month. That was a good month. And then as we were entering into the winter months, things got even slower. <laughs> you know, we end up actually taking off a week. You know, that's like crazy. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. The ElixirConf US videos were slowly being rolled out. And by November, they were all done and all public. The conference was in September. So you have keynotes came out. And then slowly each week, there's more videos being released until finally in November, they're all released, which actually... That's not that bad. You know, that's pretty timely still. When we were going through our news in November, it's all so much just like awesome blog posts. We talk about that a lot, actually. Like we point out like really good blog posts and like tutorials on how to do things or how how to understand a new concept or something. And so like while we're going through like these new releases and shiny new things that people can play with, like it's completely ignoring like all of the incredible blog posts that were written out there that we talked about on the news. Mm-hmm. And so November was another one of those months of just like, well, if people were writing. They were writing a lot, but it was, you know, blog post kind of content. That was November and Elixir US videos released. And that brings us to this month, the month that we're all in right now, because that's how time works. But <laughs> the big announcement in, in December was Flame. Flame was announced by Chris McCord earlier this month, and it stands for <laughs> Fleeting Lambda Application for Modular Execution. Just rolls off the tongue. Flame has been really interesting. So we just talked about it, you know, in this news episode. There's, you know, reaction videos to it now. There's, It's definitely a way of, like, removing a problem instead of, like, trying to solve it completely. We're, like, trying to just remove it, which is a wonderful approach. I wish we did that more often. Live is another great example of that. But Flame has been huge in the news circles, I think, even outside of Elixir. It is paradigm busting. <laughs> I'm excited about that kind of stuff. We still got time, though. As of time of recording, there's still like, what, 11 days left of December? So there could be another thing out there. We just don't know it yet. So those are just the main points we uh, identified when we were quickly looking through. So I'm sure we missed some great ones to cover as well. And, you know, this is a call out to you, dear listener. If there's interesting news items that you see happening or that you want to share about your own project and releases just to make sure that that we catch it please just tag us on social media find us you can check the show notes there's easy ways to get in touch with us but basically we can't keep up with everything the elixir community has grown and the activity and all the awesomeness happening in the elixir community has grown too so please you know we would love to make sure that we cover all the big highlights, the most important things, the impactful ones. And, you know, sometimes we need help. So, yes, call out to you. 
And that brings us to the end of this last episode for the year. We hope you all have a wonderful holiday time with family and as you come into the new year. And I'm really thankful too. We've said it before. I think it was last year I actually recorded a video on like Elixir's 10-year anniversary, which was that actually this past year? I can't remember. Junk. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my memory is, is awful too. Anyone who knows me knows that, especially my short-term memory. The whole point of that is that there was a video out there just of what we're so thankful for because of Elixir, right? And so it's just to me, and I'm sure to a lot of other listeners out there, like Elixir has really been quite literally life-changing. And I don't mean that in a way of like, my life is 10 times better. I just mean that in a sense that like everyone finds their enjoyment, their satisfaction out of things. And those things change over time. And everyone has a season of their life, right? And Elixir has been a very enjoyable season, you know, of my life. It almost sounds like I'm leaving Elixir. That's not it at all. But (laughs) Elixir has brought satisfaction and enjoyment to so many people, I think. And, you know, every year, every Stack Overflow developer survey, every ThoughtWorks grid thing, whatever, all of these things that happen all the time, every benchmark on Phoenix that's (laughs) ill-prepared, always brings up the same feelings of like, Elixir should be bigger than what it is like we feel like we found a secret and everybody needs to know about it right (laughs) and the charts just don't match that yet like we are not to the size of javascript or ruby or you know or or java or anything like that like but i think this year i'm okay with that i wasn't okay with that earlier i was like "Mm," you know people are really missing out but this year i'm like you know what like people find satisfaction in their seasons of lives in different things i found mine for the past several years you know, Elixir. And I'm happy with that. And I'm happy to talk about Elixir like daily, almost daily with other folks, other developers, even my spouse and my, my kids. And they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, pour one out <laughs> for the spouses that have to listen to us. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, but anyway, just, I hope that everyone else's, you know, listeners and other folks in the community have found a level of satisfaction this year. And I, and I really think that that's just going to continue on next year because this community It is incredible. We have avoided so much drama when there could have been a lot. We have avoided so much politicking, and there could have been a lot of that too. But this community just doesn't value that. We avoid it like the plague, and I really love that. So I'm really looking forward to the next year and hoping that like Elixir can be a catalyst for bringing a lot of folks satisfaction with their day-to-day lives. So with that, you know, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and a grand new year. Yeah, looking forward to what comes next. Thank you for joining us this entire year. If you have been, if you have a friend you'd love to share the podcast with, you know, word of mouth is the best way to let people know about a show. So we hope you have found value with what we talk about here. I know we have had a blast doing it. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.